Hi, my name is Johnny Lawrence and welcome to another episode of Life Talk, the self-development podcast. During this episode, I'll be speaking with NLP practitioner, hypnotist, inner child healer and face reader, Kate Kelly. This episode is remarkable as Kate brings together all of her work to show how individually the skills may have limits but collectively, they are profoundly powerful in creating real and permanent change in a person's healing and self-development. I'm going to be honest, there are moments in this episode that left me feeling utterly speechless, especially when Kate uses her skills to reveal things that she had picked up on about me. It provided an intriguing perspective, as I'm sure you will find. So, Let's get to it. This lady is um, really inspirational. Um, we follow her for some time now, and she just has a really, really great way of explaining everyday problems that I know many, many people experience um, just from my previous job as a fitness instructor. Um, she is a NLP practitioner. She's a hypnotherapist, and she does this wonderful thing that I cannot wait to hear all about called face reading. So uh, this is going to be an exciting episode, um, and I'm sure I'm going to feel thoroughly judged and violated by the end I don't know but we'll see <laughs> we'll see um of course I'm talking about Katie Carley how are you today I'm great how are you today I'm okay although we just had a conversation about the weather over in California yeah. and now I feel a bit bummed out so it's really nice here <laughs> <laughs> I thought you'd at least try to make me feel better <laughs> no, no, no. I'm full honesty all the time <laughs> oh well that's fair enough that's fair enough I, I can understand that but for those for those of you um who are um listening instead of watching because this will be available on YouTube too. Um, then wonderful pictures you see in the background. Who painted them? I painted those. Thank uh, you. They are really <laughs> cool. I think that's really cool. You're very modest about, um, you know, your talents. I think they're really cool. And, and they seem to match the cushions as well. So well done. <laughs> yeah, the cushions came after. The paintings came first when I was, I used to be married. And in that marriage, we we pretty much had no money and we couldn't buy stuff to decorate our place with. And so I ended up finding these really old canvases and I found my mom's old paints and I painted white over them and I just created kind of what I was wanting. So I don't actually have any background in painting. That was just. Wow. Okay. Well, you might have a second career there. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that, I mean, that speaks to who you are, I suppose. Um, you're the kind of person that will find a way by the sound of it. <laughs> yeah. Well, as I said, I'm really looking forward to to hearing your story. Um, I've obviously read about it, but I think it's going to be really, really an honor to hear it in person. So for those of you who are maybe not familiar um, with, uh, with Kate, uh, how about you tell a little bit about yourself, if that's all right? Yeah, absolutely. So my story, um, well, like all of our stories, started when I was a child. And I had a lot of food allergies growing up. And because of that, I, was, I wasn't able to eat wheat or dairy or soy or eggs and all of these different things that I couldn't eat. And over time, and just because of the way that my parents were and some other things, over time, that ended up becoming an eating disorder. And it started with binge eating about when I was like 14, I'd say. And it turned into bulimia. It turned into bouts of anorexia. And I just 
for over 10 years, I really, really, really struggled with food. I struggled with food. I struggled with confidence. I struggled with social anxiety, like to the point where I remember just being with people and, you know, maybe someone of the listeners can relate to this and just being in your head being like, what am I going to say next? Like, I don't know what to do. Like, am I fitting in? And like, I would be sweating. Like I would sweat so much because I had so much social anxiety and in the eating disorder. And it was so difficult to be around people, but I kind of put on this mask of like, I'm good. Like, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. So I hit it really, really well for so long. Like no one really knew I was struggling and it really wasn't until, um, it wasn't until I got pregnant with my first son when I was 23 that everything really shifted because when I got pregnant with him, I had really, really bad morning sickness that really just lasted all day. So I was throwing up, not because I was forcing myself to throw up, but just naturally like felt like total shit. Mm. And that lasted for about three months. Once that went away, I was so grateful to just be able to eat food that I just ate kind of quote unquote normally for the rest of my pregnancy. I didn't really worry about the eating disorder stuff for some reason. It just, it shifted in that moment. And and then, you know, there was a huge moment when he was born and I had a home birth and a natural birth and all the things. And I was in labor a really long time. And I just remember like, you know, that, that moment when he finally comes out and I look down, I just have stretch mark, like purple stretch marks everywhere. And I had really bad body dysmorphia before that, but something clicked in, in that moment where I just totally fell in love with my body. I was like, I just did that. Like I just they grew a human, you know what I mean? Like it was just this crazy experience. And I was so hungry because birth takes so much out of you that I, I remember just like, you know, the next week I was like eating like a third bowl of pasta. And, and I think it was like at that moment that it clicked where I was like, wait, I'm eating a third bowl of pasta. I'm not judging myself. And I, I'm just doing it because I'm genuinely hungry. And so it kind of clicked in of like, well, wait a second. That's, that's like a really, really big thing of like when I'm not dieting, when I'm not constantly on a juice cleanse, I went through so many juice cleanses, you have no idea. And they would always end in a binge. Um, you know, there's, there's something here. And that kind of got me start off on this path of really discovering, you know, how can I really overcome this for good? And that was the first step. I, I actually started when I was 14 as well, started learning energy healing. So I have a long past in that as well. So I was actually learning energy healing and had an eating disorder simultaneously. So I think at that moment when I was 23 and everything kind of opened up, there was a lot that I had been studying and learning in my past with energy healing and spiritual practices that all kind of came together. And I ended up healing my eating disorder. And fast forward, that's actually what I do now is I help women that have eating disorders, but I don't do it through any kind of dieting or any kind of meal plans or anything like that. It's completely through getting to the emotional, spiritual, and mental root cause of like, well, why are you overeating in the first place? Like, why are you throwing up in the first place? Because there's always, there's just, there's always a reason for it. And it's never what people expect. No, I mean, I've had the um, the pleasure of speaking to some really knowledgeable people on disordered eating. And it, it really surprises me how often it has nothing to do with like how much they weigh. It, yeah. It's all to do with how they feel and how they yeah. feel about themselves. And then furthermore, once you speak to them, you, you, you feel it's something that's almost obvious, but obviously it's not, is it? Because when, when you're in that sort of position or you're in that state of thinking, I'm sure you're not thinking exactly as you would if you, you know, were feeling healthy, let's say. 
So, I mean, that's interesting. There's a couple of things you said there that, were, that I found quite fascinating. It's the part where you said I was eating when I was because I was hungry. Right. Yeah. And I thought, wow, that's that's interesting. What did you mean by that when you said that? So typically, I can say for me and typically people that struggle with any kind of disordered eating, let's go broad for a second. What I meant by that is that there's actually a, a, a disassociation from somebody's body to their emotions and their mental state. So because of that disconnect, you're eating because you think you should be. You're not eating because you don't think you should be. You're exercising because you think you have to be. So there's this disconnect rather than just really being present with your body and being like, oh, my body genuinely wants food. And I know that that like my food requirements, my caloric requirements, that's going to change on a day-to-day basis. And if you're not fully associated completely into your body, you're going to absolutely miss those cues. That is wonderful. Um, Thank you for saying that because um, I think to eat when you're hungry sounds really obvious, but actually some people will eat because it's breakfast or Mm -hmm. because it's lunch or because it's dinner. And they won't give themselves that moment of, am I hungry? Am I hungry? Do I feel hungry? And I think that, you know, I've got this really, really annoying saying, (laughs) you don't know until you know. (laughs) And it's, you know, it's just, it's just one of those things that I don't think is obvious to everybody. And, and as I consistently say on many podcast episodes, these issues that are very complex and very serious and should be respected and should be honored often have a very simple solution, but it's Mm -hmm. actually doing it. That's the hard bit, because as you say, there's a reason why you're doing these things in the first place. And, and in your experience, what are some of the better ways to understand that reason? Uh, The best ways to understand that reason, you actually touched on it like a couple minutes ago when you said it's actually more about what you think and what you feel, because Mm -hmm. we as human beings, and this applies to anything and everything, we are motivated by wanting more of a certain feeling or less of a certain feeling. So we're always moving towards pleasure and away from pain. And that's, that's like at the level of our emotional body. What happens is that that goes to our conscious mind, which is a step above that. And then our conscious mind creates some kind of logical reasoning as to why we did what we just did. But really, it just comes down to wanting more or less of a feeling. Yeah. So at the moment, I'll use this as an example. Like if someone's going to go binge on cookies, right? Yeah. And they go into the kitchen and they're like, oh, I'll just have one. They're thinking I'll just have one because there's two things going on. There's two competing needs. There's one need to, I feel crappy and I need to feel better. Oftentimes I find that people don't even know why they feel crappy. That's how disassociated they are from their bodies. They could go along their whole day and be like, well, my day was fine. I don't know why I feel so crappy. I just want a cookie. And then the other need is, oh, but I'm trying to lose weight and I want to be healthy. What happens is the need to feel good in that moment completely outweighs the need to be healthy or to lose weight. Right. If that makes any sense. And so that's, yeah. So that's a huge, like, um, you know what it says? My, my internet connection is unstable, which is really odd because that never happens. But if I get choppy, let me know. Okay. No problem. Okay. (laughs) Um, so in that, in that moment, they think it's about self-control and willpower. They think it's about 
you know, I can stop myself from, from eating that second cookie, that third cookie, that fourth cookie. What they don't realize underneath the surface is that there's actually a need. And, and, and to answer your question, that's probably the simplest way to understand what's going on emotionally under the surface is to ask yourself questions like, well, what bad thing would I have to experience, face, or feel if I didn't eat that cookie right now? So what are the moments would you say, you know, because obviously it's it's difficult when, when you train in something like say we do, um, mm-hmm. sometimes it's difficult to remember um, how it is to not know what you know. So for those people that say maybe thinking about exercise or thinking about um, self-care or thinking about food in any way or anything like that what are the, what are the things that the, the moments when you would say it would be a really good idea to ask yourself some questions um when you feel like there's a split within you like you want to do something but you also don't like a conflict yes like an inner conflict right anytime there's there's that feeling then there's two parts of you. You fragmented off. There's a part of you that wants one thing and there's a part of you that wants another thing. Yeah. And yeah. the thing that people don't understand is that both of those parts of you are legitimate. Like both of those parts of you are you. So you can't just be like, well, screw that other one. I don't like it. I'm just going to go with this one because it's going to come back and haunt you in all kinds of little ways in your life. Is there, is there a, a path to as well, um, and this is a question, uh, to it maybe being somebody else's idea of what you should do? Because I've, I've often found with clients that when the word should comes up, it's a good opportunity to say, what does should mean? Is that should because that's what my upbringing tells me? Is that should because that's what my friends do? It, you know, is, is, there a, is there a moment where that can actually be someone else's thinking in your opinion? I think so. Yeah, definitely. I kind of going back to what I was saying is I, I teach my clients and what I do for myself is to look for the full body. Yes. Mm. When like emotionally, physically, spiritually, full body. Yes. Yeah. It doesn't really matter where it comes from. It could totally yeah. come from someone else, you know, and you can work with it. If you want to adopt somebody else's idea, you can, you can do parts work and inner child work or NLP or hypnotherapy. Like there's all kinds of things you can do to get all of those parts on the same page. I, I love that. What did you call it? A full body? Yes. Yeah. That, I mean, that, 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 that really does, mm-hmm. that, like, that's a real feelings word of like, yeah, I actually know I feel this way. That's a, because sometimes there's people, yeah. you ask them a question and they're like, Hmm. And you're like, you're not committed <laughs> to this answer, you know? Uh, so yeah, I love that. A full body guess. I, I might, I might steal that. <laughs> yeah, go for it. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's really cool. Um, yeah. Okay. So uh, I'm interested in a couple of other things as well. So you're at a point where you're finding yourself with conflict. Maybe it's around um, food. Maybe it's around exercise. Maybe it's around alcohol or, or something else, you know, or crisps or whatever, you know, pick, yeah. pick your poison, if you will. Um, but you, you've um, you've identified a couple of things that you do. I mean, NLP, talk me through that. That must be sort of your toolbox, part of your toolbox. Yes. So that is definitely part of my toolbox. NLP is neurolinguistic programming. And it's essentially like, it's almost an offshoot of hypnotherapy. And I'll explain the biggest difference because I just, I love this explanation so much. So hypnotherapy is going into a trance and it's not 
like a lot of people associate it with like stage hypnosis where, you know, all of a sudden people start acting like a cat out of the blue. Like that's not real hypnosis. Like that's stage. That's a totally different sector of hypnosis. Hypnosis is really just that you're acting from your unconscious mind. So we have our conscious mind and our unconscious mind. A lot of people don't know that we are actually living 95% from our unconscious mind. We're not even aware of it. 95. So all of the ways that you show up in your life, the decisions you make, the behaviors you have, where you think, well, yeah, like I'm making all those decisions. You're actually not. Your unconscious mind is. We think that our conscious mind is, and it's not the case. We spend most of our life in a hypnotic trance. We go about our day in a hypnotic trance 95% of the time. That's a staggering statistic. Wow. (laughs) It is staggering. And the reason behind it is that our brains love to be on autopilot. It's safer biologically. If we were to be like cave people, so to speak, we would need to be on autopilot 95% of the time. Otherwise, our brain's going to use up so much calories, basically, to keep running. So it's efficient. It's exactly, it's efficient. It's a survival thing that we've developed over time. Um, So hypnotherapy, and I know you didn't necessarily ask about hypnotherapy yet, but- I I was going to. (laughs) I figured. Um, So hypnotherapy is putting someone into a trance where you open up your unconscious mind, you make it more available, and you actually go in there and change the autopilot programming into that person's favor. So that's why hypnotherapy is is really important and and what that does. Now, NLP is the same, but almost the total opposite. NLP is using techniques and languaging to take somebody out of trance, out of that 95%, and make them aware of how they can have more control over their life, how they can stop being on autopilot in certain ways. So okay. one, so hypnotherapy puts you more into trance to make changes and NLP takes you out of that autopilot trance to make changes. So <clears throat> would it put you on the spot by asking you, so for example, how would you, if I had an issue with um, cookies, as you use the example, mm-hmm. and I said, look, you know, I'm pretty good. I exercise, I do all these things, but I can't resist cookies and my kids need them in the house and all that sort of stuff. You know, how, how would you deal with that from an NLP perspective? Um, sort of, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's like a loaded question. <laughs> I know. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's totally good. Like I, I love going, I love loaded questions. I love going deep with all of this. I'm just trying to, to, uh, I want to give you something that's, that's useful. Um, I am putting if, you on the spot. So I'm sorry about that. If you want to move on, that's okay. <laughs> no, 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 no. This is such a good question. So you have a problem with eating too much cookies. I, you know what, it would honestly start from an NLP perspective of understanding and being really curious as to like, well, why is it important to you to stop eating cookies? Yeah. What's your reason, right? So, and that actually in NLP, it's called eliciting criteria and values. Wow. Okay. So what I would do is because you don't really, it's not about the cookies. Mm. You want to stop eating cookies because you want a certain feeling. Yeah. Or you want to get rid of the feeling that you have when you eat cookies. So we would drop it down and then I'd elicit criteria and values about that. So you might say, well, you know, because I'm really trying to lose 20 pounds. Like I really just want to lose this 20 pounds and the cookies are in the way. And I'd be like, oh, totally like that. Totally makes sense. You want to lose 20 pounds. 
I'd mirror that back to you. That's an NLP thing too. And I'd be like, so I'm so curious even more though. Like, why is it important to you to lose 20 pounds? Oh, well, because I actually really just want to be able to run and play with my kids, you know? And at that point you, you go three questions deep into criterion values and people are in tears Yeah, yeah. as you've, you've gotten to what is really, really important to them. And then you can kind of work with that. Yeah. I mean, that, that makes perfect sense. Someone would come to you with something so seemingly daft, like um, I, I'm eating too many cookies and you get behind the why of the why of the why until you're at the root cause of what is going on with this person. It's not about cookies. It's about that you're feeling slightly sluggish. You're not feeling fit and healthy and you can't play with your children and that's making you unhappy, which let's face it, if anyone's feeling that way, that is sad. And, you know, you can see yeah. why someone would be motivated to do something about it. That's, uh, right. that's, that's incredible. <laughs> yeah. uh, oh, I wish I almost wish I did have a cookie problem now, and then you could have solved it. <laughs> there you go. Well, we all, we all have our things. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So that, that's an LP. So it's, it's really about getting deep with somebody and discovering the motivation behind their behavior. Is, is that a, a, a way of explaining it? Would you say? Yeah, that, that's definitely a way of explaining it. And that's definitely a huge part of it. Um, what you can do from there is once you get down to the root of their why, like mm-hmm. we just talked about, um, according to NLP, and this is where I differ a little bit, but according to NLP, you would attach that why to not eating cookies. So you'd make a mental association with right. their deepest value. So it would increase their desire to not want to eat those cookies. What I do a little bit different is I, then I would use hypnotherapy or inner child work and I discover, well, you know, cause you want to feel, you want to play with your kids and this and that, if that's like the reason, then maybe we, that, that mem or that thought of wanting to play with your kids is generating some kind of a feeling. Mm-hmm. Usually in that example, it would be, I'm not good enough. I'm not a good enough mom. And the underbelly of that, the, the emotional underbelly of, of I am not good enough is shame, right. which is a huge deal. I'm sure you've talked to other people on the podcast yeah. about it. I can't imagine that you've not, no. <laughs> you know, but, and then once you're dealing with the shame, then you can use hypnotherapy or regression to go back to like, so what's, what's going on? Why are you carrying this shame hardwired into your body and into your nervous system? And where can we go back and give you your free will back and essentially take your power back? I would imagine there's a lot of um, situations that come back to shame at some point. Yeah. Um, If, well, I wouldn't say all of them. I'm sure that's not all of them, but in my experience, in my experience, I mean, I I once, uh, I worked as a health and fitness coach for, well, decade and a half. And uh, I remember meeting this very, very, very big, strong, really alpha male um, who owned a building firm. And, um, we, we were working together. He, he lost some weight over time, was losing weight, losing weight. And then he got to the sticking point. And um, I was looking at his, um, what he was eating. I, was, I knew what his activity was. And mm. something just wasn't adding up. And anyway, cut one, cut, cut to the chase. Um, he, was, he was binge eating McDonald's. And uh-huh. when he told me, the word I could use is, is just shame. He had no reason to be ashamed. But the absolute shame in his face, the tears that come from this, this man, mm. you know, and it was just, it was a real heartbreaking but wonderful moment because it was that moment of real change where he realized that there was no need to be ashamed and you know and it, it almost he, he was stuck in that perpetual cycle of shame which was um you know i feel shame so i'll eat i eat because i feel shame and just keep going around and all that sort of right. circle. um 
another thing you said uh, there that is interesting, second time, um, inner child work. What's that? Okay, so inner child work. <laughs> Sorry, do you feel interrogated? <laughs> no, not at all. I, li- I could talk about this stuff all day long. I, I really like, I live it and breathe it and love it. So you can tell, um, you can tell. Inner this. child work. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's essentially a form of accessing your inner child and creating a connection with your inner child to create healing. And I'll explain what the inner child is because people are probably like, what the heck is that? (laughs) (laughs) So your inner child is the parts of you, like we were talking about before, there's different parts of you that have different needs and want different things. We all have a part of us that is still very childlike. Oftentimes this part of us is quite wounded. And I can explain this on a neurological level as well. Um, And I'll incorporate shame. You're going along your life. You're five years old. Some kind of incident happens, right? This could be big trauma. This could be really, really minor stuff. I had someone, you know, just as a really random example, she went into the garage and her dad was hanging out with friends and she hugged the wrong person's leg and shame happened and it stayed in her nervous system. What shame does is it's like a dampener. It's actually there for our survival and as a safety mechanism because it comes in and goes, don't be that person, don't do that again, I'm gonna shut you down. So it actually comes in and almost like covers up a part of your nervous system and it can create a developmental delay in your nervous system. So as a child, your nervous system is developing, it's making all of these new connections and it's great and it should be expanding, right? Because expansion is the name of the game of the universe and for us as humans. Shame comes in and is like, and no, that almost got you killed, that almost got you in trouble, that almost got your, you know, maybe your needs weren't met. I'm gonna stop that development of that part of who you are, that part of your nervous system, a developmental delay happens. So that happens when you're five, now you're 30 years old and all of a sudden you're experiencing trouble in relationships and you're like, well, I don't know what's going on. We could do inner child work and essentially with hypnotherapy regress back to that five-year-old moment heal it through inner child work so that the shame, the developmental delay can be lifted and your nervous system can actually develop into a normal, healthy adult. That is fast. That is incredible. So you could say have uh, an issue around relationships, um, something that keeps maybe creeping up in romantic relationships. And it, it could potentially come down to something as sort of seemingly trivial as hugging the wrong leg as five years old. That's incredible. Yeah, it can. And, and logical as well, actually. More more, lo- lo- more logical than you might first think. Um, because I suspect, yeah. in that, I suspect in that moment, that five-year-old felt really, really embarrassed. Uh, and to a five-year-old, that's probably one of the worst things that's ever happened to you <laughs> as, as a five-year-old. So that feeling's not going to go away. That's, that's um, so I'm, I'm processing all this as you say. It's quite yeah. significant. Wow. And- I'd like to mention too, since we kind of brought up, you know, relationships and we'll kind of take a quantum for a moment because I like to go to all the different sectors of, you know, (laughs) how you can do things. Um, But what happens in, in more of like a quantum sort of perspective is that if your nervous system kind of has that developmental delay and it's shut down, what happens is that has to be reflected in your external life, not because life is against you, but because like we said, the name of the game is growth. 
everything in our universe is seeking expansion at all times. And you can be on board with that expansion or you cannot be. It's going to be painful if you're not going to be on board with it. So if you have that developmental delay, because your body in the universe wants you to grow and expand so much, it's going to mirror and call in relationships that reflect that developmental delay as a projection so you can see it and heal it. Wow. So you're going to experience, like, if you know what I mean, like if you've ever been in relationships where like, damn, like I keep calling in the same person and this is not what I want or like the wounded person. Why do I keep doing that? It doesn't matter how much the 5% of your conscious mind doesn't want that. Your body is seeking expansion and it's going to keep mirroring that until you get the picture, you see that pattern and you do the work to heal your inner world, release that developmental delay, and then you'll start calling in new people into your relationship. So rarely, rarely am I speechless, but that's, uh, that's phenomenal. So you're, you're constantly using 95% of uh, unconsciously, your unconscious mind, and your unconscious mind is summoning in people because it feels it needs the it needs growth. Um, so it might be pulling in somebody that it knows is going to give you that growth in that area that you're lacking. That's, that's, uh, wow. <laughs> right. That's, uh, that's, that's something that is, uh, um, never heard it explained that way before. I've, I've heard a few, as you, as you can imagine, you know, through doing the podcast and just through working in the coaching industry, I've heard a few explanations, but I've never quite heard it that way. That's, that's really, really, yeah. really cool. I, I do want to say on that too, because it's a huge pet peeve of mine when people say, well, you called that in, you created it, you manifested it. Mm. That's not at all what I'm saying here. So I want to make that, that huge disclaimer, because that's, mm. to me, those kinds of statements are statements um, of shame. Yeah. Yeah. No, and, and that makes sense. That does. That yeah. makes sense, doesn't it? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Because uh, that person would be unable to see it from any other perspective than their own. Yeah. Of course. And uh, that says more, that's why the saying, I suppose, that says more about you than me. <laughs> and that, makes, that makes sense. Uh, wow. I've almost lost my train of thought. That's blown my mind a little bit. That's um, fabulous. Gosh. I'm yeah. Super... You can see in your eyes, you're, you're processing it. Yeah. Well, uh, I didn't realize I might wear sunglasses from now on. It's <laughs> reading. <laughs> well, we'll get there. <laughs> oh, okay. wow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't even know what to say. Uh, okay. Um, so let's move. Let's, let's, we sort of move sideways a little bit we spoke okay. about the the nlp uh, mm-hmm. and then went into the inner child stuff there um we also spoke about hypnotherapy so when mm-hmm. when would you sort of how would you decide which tool to use the hypnotherapy or the nlp uh they blend together yeah I, it's definitely not something that i decide okay typically what i do if I'm, if I'm having like a one-on-one session with somebody or even in a group setting as well, I'll do this. I'm always looking for the portal into their nervous system and into their body. People live so much in their heads and that's fine. People love to tell me their stories about, well, this happened to me and this and this and this, and that's great. So what I'll do is I'll just watch them as they're telling the story. I'll get a sense of how much do they really need to tell me? Oftentimes it's, it's, we could get by in one minute of a story and be fine, but, but a lot of times people really want to be heard. Mm. But what I'm watching for is when their body pulls them in within an emotional sensation. And it goes from just story kind of up here in the head talking to I just had a literal somatic sensation in my body. I I also do somatic work. So 
we haven't talked about that, but somatic basically just means mind body connection. That's it. Um, So I'm watching for that somatic moment when they drop into their body, as soon as they drop into their body, I can usually tell by reading their face, (laughs) see how all this comes together. And I will say, okay, pause right there and just go ahead and close your eyes and just bring your mind to that sensation in your body that just showed up. Yep. There it is. There you go. And, you know, and then that's the portal. That's the portal into their body. They're telling the story. They've had an emotional experience. That's the portal. That's where you can make the most amount of change from there. I'll use a form of, or a blend rather once they're in their body and you've accessed that, that somatic feeling, then it can go so many different directions. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, I, I got a sense there of like, n- not on your side, but on the client's side of it, of them sort of preferably using a, uh, a searchlight. And then all of a sudden you find that yeah. gate and you're like, there it is. Just stay there. Should we stay there? That's uh, yeah. that's a lovely, uh, sorry. You just, and if you're putting that in my mind now, I'm very paranoid right now. <laughs> I'm like, hey, what's happening? Yeah. No, I mean, that's that's amazing. So yeah, so you would talk to you would talk to the client um and have no expectations. No. No agenda. You're just listening. No. You're just Never listening, you're just watching. Yeah. It's total 100 percent presence on that person. And I'm and I'm taking it in through my five senses, like everything. I mean, obviously I can't do it through smell over zoom, which all my clients are over zoom, but I'm really like all my senses are 100% on them, watching them, listening to them, you know, and that's really what you learn in NLP is like, you get this really keen sense of awareness of how to listen to people's languaging patterns and the underlying meaning of that. And you can start to kind of make deductions from that. Yeah. I mean, I'm unfortunately a, a trauma survivor. So, so a lot of my, uh, a lot of my senses are very heightened and I've always been somebody that will listen to tones of voices and body language and gestures more than I will words. Um, cause mm-hmm. words, words, words can lie, <laughs> uh, in some cases. Uh, and, uh, and I found that bodies tend to not, um, not unless yeah. someone's being very deliberate about the way they are. So, uh, that's very comforting to hear that someone is, uh, is working at that level that, and also quite amazing. Um, not sure I've ever met anyone quite like you actually. That's, Thank uh, you. No, I mean, yeah, it was intended as a compliment. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was, um, yeah, it's amazing to hear that, to hear that you're always watching. I mean, just, just a, a side note, when you say smell, <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> so, so that, that essentially means um, there's so much in there. I mean, with, with hypnosis, hmm. I oftentimes when I'm putting someone under hypnosis, oops, or I'm having them experience something and we're seeking to change something in their unconscious mind. Like we talked about from autopilot, I will put them in an experience, have them imagine themselves in either a memory or a future projection. And I'll say things like, feel what you feel, see what you see, notice the colors, maybe even smell what you smell. Right. And what that does is it sends them like on a fast track into a deeper state of hypnosis because they're engaging all of their five senses. They're engaging all of those parts of their mind. So, yeah, I don't know if that answered your question, but no, no, it does. It it does. It's just, it's just, um, uh, I'm currently reading um, Jay Shetty's book uh, Mm -hmm. at the moment. And he, he uses a really lovely analogy or example of, um, five horses representing all the senses 
and yeah. the carriage driver being the person in control and that the uh, the horses are reactive and they will react to mm-hmm. things that go on around them depending on what sense they are whether they're sight or hearing or taste or whatever and uh, actually sometimes if you if 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 you are reacting to something it's because you fell asleep at the wheel and you're not conscious in what you're doing and it's a yeah. nice analogy and I, i'm getting sort of remnants of that from what you're saying um it's just yeah. very interesting and it's funny how well it's funny how I can be reading a book about something and then have a conversation about it. And it seems completely unrelated. It's just, uh, it's freaking me out. (laughs) (laughs) So let's get on to the really, really interesting face reading. Um, I'm just going to go and grab a mask. <laughs> Let's see how we... <laughs> Put a blanket over yourself and then, you know. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I should do this. Like... <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's okay. I can read your hairline too. You can't hide. <laughs> so tell me about face reading. I, I, I was very tempted to look it up, but I thought, you know what? I'm not going to. I, I've seen a few of your videos on Instagram, so I know a little bit from you, but talk about face reading. Okay. So it's Chinese face reading. Um, essentially what it is, is it's a way of gathering information from someone's face. They, you know, according to Chinese face reading, they'll look at face shape. They'll look at, like we said, the hairline. Um, they'll look at how big or small features are relative to the rest of that person's face. And the one that I find the most fascinating is that they actually look at lines and wrinkles on the face. And what that is indicative of is stored and potentially repressed emotions in the body. Um, This is really because of two reasons. This is one, because we have, according to, you know, Chinese philosophy and traditional Chinese medicine, there's, you know, we have like meridian channels and a lot of people have heard of this. Well, you have all of those meridian channels on your face. So for example, right here is the lung area. So if someone has a line coming through here, It doesn't mean that their lungs are all messed up, but the emotion of the lungs is grief. So it would indicate that they have not processed grief from the past. Wow. Right. And our bodies are always seeking expansion. They're always seeking growth. So it's going to be manifested on your face. So you can see it. It will probably also be manifested in other areas of your life so that you can see it. Um, But it's really just used as a tool to be like, oh, wow, there might be some unprocessed grief. Let's talk about that. Let's open up that door and see what's true for you there. Let's talk about your past or whatever. So um, it's really, really fascinating. It's definitely not a hundred percent accurate. However, it's pretty accurate (laughs) from the work that I've done with it, from the people that I've talked to. um, It's definitely, there's definitely something to it for sure. I suppose again, like like any other tool, um, rarely in any job. Say, let's let's say you're you're building an IKEA shelf. Most of us have had to do that, unfortunately. Yeah, <laughs> um, right. it, It's very rare that you would use one tool, um, and and I think by the sound of it, you're you're bringing all these different tools together, and and you've got all these tools, and that's very unique because I, I I don't think many people have as many tools as you do. So when you bring the face reading in without any other tool, I suspect context is very important. And that um, having an understanding of the rest of the bigger picture will help yeah. you fill in those gaps. If the sounds silly when you're face reading, <laughs> filling in gaps. But um, yeah, so having that tool amongst all the others must be really valuable for you. So dare, dare I ask, what do you see in my face? <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> I've been waiting. Oh, nice. <laughs> no, no, no. It's all good. I, I don't, I, I think when people hear that I face read, they're just like, oh my gosh, I've been reading my face this whole time. And it is had, it has become a part of my autopilot now where I do pick up a couple of certain things, but I'm, yeah. I'm not ruminating on it at all unless I'm specifically asked to do yeah. so and then we can dive into it. So I get that vibe from you from the whole way through everything that you've done um, and said that you've done has all been almost seeking permission the whole time. It, um, you, you're very much sounds to me like you only move forward if, if that person's ready and, and allows you to. So um, I get that vibe. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah. Yeah. I tried to, I definitely try to come across with that vibe. So I'm glad that it does come across. And, um, for you, so, I mean, I know you're wearing your, your headset right now and yeah. maybe we'll get to that later. Cause you did say, I thought it was so fascinating. I wanted to point it out for you and for your growth that you've experienced trauma in your past and you've mm. had to become really good at reading people's body language and noticing, you know, tone of voice changes, probably really, really subtle ones. Mm. That's actually called auditory intuition. And it usually shows up right next to your ears. Ah. <laughs> lines right here so i can't um i can't see those and you can check in the mirror later and let us know uh, it, it, you might not be able to see that anyway because uh my headphones yeah. will probably give me a line anyway but yeah yeah, i was gonna say i definitely saw some lines but i can't tell <laughs> if it's from the headphones or not yeah um one of the things you have two really 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 cool features so we can definitely talk about that no one's ever said that to me before that's good i'll take that <laughs> yeah yeah no it's good <laughs> So you see how your hairline is not straight across, how yeah. it, it kind of dips in and out a little bit. Yeah. So this is actually an extrapolative forehead, which means that you are quite good at taking different ideas and kind of processing them together. Right. It's the way that your mind works is you could, similar to how I was talking about the five senses and you brought it to Jay Shetty's book that you've mm. been reading about the horses. And I can imagine that the little bit that you spoke about it is probably the tip of the iceberg about where your processing has gone with it and will go with it. Like you're going to make a whole thing about that. You know <laughs> what I mean? Your mind is going to do all of these things. And that's because you have an extrapolative forehead. So I have that too. You can ah. see like my, my hairline. Yay. We're hairline twinsies. <laughs> we are. We're hairline twinsies. Yes. And that actually, you can actually use um, face reading to see, you know, who you'd be compatible with in friendships and in relationships. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Because we as humans biologically seek sameness in other people. I suppose you do, don't you? Yeah. There's well, some part of our brains that do that. I suppose that's the whole sort of premise behind having things in common, isn't it? Yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 Um, now if you're two the same as someone else, then it's boring. Right. Yeah. But it is, yeah. sometimes there's certain sameness things where it's like, we would be able to connect on like things like this podcast. Like we could probably talk forever about this kind of stuff. Oh yeah. Can- <laughs> <laughs> right? I, I get that vibe, but we could quite easily talk about this forever. So yeah. you also mentioned, uh, you said two things. What's the other thing? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the other thing is, is actually really cool. And I can only see it in, in certain lights, but I know it's there because I've definitely seen it happen is you have quite a large transformation line coming from it. See, I don't see it so much in this lighting, but I definitely seen it in other lightings. Right. Yeah. And it comes kind of for, from the, um, that would be your right inner eyebrow. And it kind of yeah. comes up in your, um, so across your forehead. The, over here. 
Yeah. Yeah. Do you see it? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've got a scar there as well, but. Um, so I saw the scar and I yeah. thought that that was the scar, not a line, but you have a, you have a line too. And sometimes it's, these lines are finicky. Sometimes they mm. show up and then they go away. So what does that mean? So the transformation line means that you've experienced something traumatic usually, or mm. big deal in the past, but you've, you've one eighty it. You've paid back your power. You've found your footing in it. It doesn't control you anymore. That's, um, you, you have no idea how accurate that is. <laughs> it's not something I'm able to share, but yeah. Um, yeah, I, I know exactly what it is. So, um, yep. wow. <laughs> you so are, the re- go ahead. You are the real deal, aren't you? <laughs> oh, <thank> you. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. What was you going to say there? I don't remember. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. I, okay. Disagreeing so, with you. So, so you know, amongst your tools, uh, you have the NLP, you have the hypnotherapy. Um, similar in many ways, but different in in others. Uh, mm-hmm. And you also work on the inner child work, and uh, the face reading just sort of tops it off, really, for you. Is, is there is there anything else? Any other magic power you have? <laughs> oh wow! Um, no. No. I mean, intuitive. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm very intuitive and that's from learning yeah. the energy healing starting when I was 14. So that, that comes in handy too, but that's like a. Okay. So just, just, just because I don't, I don't know how long we've been running now. Oh, not okay. too bad, but, um, but the energy healing, um, uh, sort of what, what's that? So the energy healing started out, I was really, really into it as I was always really into spiritual concepts as a child. And I got interested in it when I was 14 and I just started attending, um, different seminars, I guess, learning energy healing. Some of it was more, um, you know, Asian based where you would kind of put your hands on somebody and you would feel for energy and things like that. And then I also learned, um, quantum energy healing, which was just a total mind fuck, but it (laughs) was like, yeah, just, just so many interesting things. But I think it was with the quantum energy healing that I learned to really trust my intuition and really, be able to sense very subtle, energetic and emotional changes in another person in my own body as we're going through the work. So um, that was actually my my high school job on the weekends is I was I did energy healing starting when I was 16 through through 18. And that was that was my thing. (laughs) Wow. Uh, Do you know what you make me realize? You make me you're living proof that actually in this world we live in, many people look for the answers to the change they want on social media, um, on television programs, celebrities. But the point is that it's all external. And everything that you have spoke about today is about extracting answers that you already have within yourself. Uh, And and that's exactly I'm I'm a big believer in that. Um, and uh, that's why I love coaching. Um, not, it doesn't sound like I can do it quite as, uh, quite as intensely as you can, but, um, but uh, I, I do have some natural sort of ways of mm-hmm. understanding people, but it's always question-led. And what, what, I'm a big believer that when somebody approaches me and needing help, that they already have the answer. I just need to help them ask the right question. And, yes. uh, and I... I, I love that. You you really validate that in, in the way in which you've uh, spoke today. And I found this thoroughly interesting. And uh, I honestly could uh, continue talking <laughs> for hours yeah. and hours, but I'm sure you have an actual life you'd like to get back to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Especially in sunny California. I know. Yeah, I've been trying to get out and get my vitamin D every day. Oh, I, was, I suspect it's been very tough for you. 
Oh, very tough. <laughs> Yeah, I played okay. I played tennis for three hours yesterday. So did you? Oh, wonderful! Good, did, yeah. did Did you win? Of course. Oh. <laughs> let, let me, did you just really put them off by continuously looking in their face? <laughs> yeah, no. no, I'm quite competitive too. And oh, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, I like winning. Well, um, like as I say, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, please tell people where they can find you because I'm absolutely positive people are going to want to rush to your Instagram and YouTube and whatnot. So let people know where they yeah. can find you. So my my main social media platforms, which pretty much have everything, I would say are Instagram and Facebook. On Instagram, it's at Kate underscore Kali, K-A-L-I. Um, and the link in my bio pretty much has the links to absolutely everything that I do. I have a free Facebook group. If you are listening to this and you're like, man, I really struggle, you know, with my body and my relationship with food. I have a free Facebook group for that called freedom from food. I also have a free masterclass. You can message me on either platform and I will hook you up with all the things that you need. And, um, yeah, follow me on those. Cause I have some really exciting things that are coming out actually this week, probably towards the end of the week that I'm like beyond excited. It's kind of like everything we've talked about today and all of those different things, I've put it into this course that's going to, it's called magnetic magnetic radiance. And it uses hypnosis to rewire the parts of your brain that are needed to become extremely confident easily, magnetically radiant, which basically just means you become a magnet to all those things that you want. Oftentimes like manifestation practices don't work because you're not doing that really deep inner work and you're not clearing the things that need to be cleared in order for those things to show up in your life. So that's coming out pretty soon, yeah. I mean, that's always been where I've hit a stumbling block with manifestation. And it's that, um, it's that act, some people feel that it's that superficial act of just asking the universe for something. But actually, yeah. you, you, have, you have to work at that too, <laughs> I think. Exactly. And, uh, that's the bit that we, we, we sort of misunderstand, I suppose, in the modern world. Um, but Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and, and your, uh, your Facebook group, um, is, is, is that, what's that called? Is that... Freedom from food. Freedom from food. Brilliant. Okay. Yeah. Um, as I said before, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for your time. And uh, I have learned a lot and I'm going to uh, sit and process this whole thing. Good. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to be looking at myself in the mirror now, all my like, different lines and stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. So I'm we really grateful. Keep positive traits on your face too. We just talked about a couple of them. So. Okay. Well, yeah. Well. Maybe I'll call you later. Okay. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, thank you for having me. It was yeah. so much fun to talk about all this stuff. No, it really was. Thank you very much. And uh, I hope to see you again soon. Thank you. Bye. Bye. I'd like to sincerely thank Kate for chatting with me on this episode and offering her insights through reading my face. <laughs> I found that incredible and I'm really, really grateful. So thank you, Kate. If you got some value from today's episode, please subscribe and leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or a platform of your choice. That's all from me today. So to keep up to date on future episodes, guests and additional content on YouTube and other social media platforms, please give me a follow on social media by searching Johnny Lawrence Coaching. Life Talk now has its own Twitter account and can be found at Life Talk UK. 
I'll be back in two weeks time for another episode of Life Talk, the self-development podcast. Thank you.